I'm Kim Grenell to Dogman.com, and we're still at Husky Stadium, where Washington defeated California by a score of 38 to seven in front of an announced crowd of 67,429. Temperature at kickoff was 53. Again, another week where we had pretty bad weather right before the game, and then it cleared up right before. So we're waiting for the downpour to occur, like the previous two weeks. But uh, weather wasn't really a factor on the game. 67,000 people. Um, a lot of them were clearing out early in this game. So, uh, nice win by Washington. Takes them to 6-0. and Lots and lots to talk about. I don't think anybody knew that they were going to come out in chrome purple helmets. Had, had you heard any rumors of that type at all, Chris? No. I mean, obviously, even when they showed the away or uniform like they do in the front by kind of where the shop is out front, they show the you know what they're going to wear for that week. And they showed the all purple, but they didn't show the helmet. I mean, they just showed a regular, you know, that way we were thinking, oh, no chrome helmets. And when we were thinking no chrome helmets, we were thinking the gold, no mm-hmm. gold chrome helmets. Well, obviously they pulled a double whammy well, with not, not just chrome helmets, they but purple. They warmed up in the gold helmets. Yeah, that's what right. I was going to say. They, they warmed up, up in the gold helmets. helmets. They messed us all up. And the captains uh-huh. came out came in out the golden in, helmets. Yeah, so, they first. Yeah, yeah. so, they, so they pulled, the, they pulled the, the whammy all the way literally until the team came out for you know through the tunnel through the purple so uh when they said purple out they meant it yeah no it was cool um i liked him a lot i talked to uh you know washington official after the game and she asked me how the purple helmets were going over and i think am i wrong but i think they were pretty well received no i think the former players on twitter really really came to it kevin king (laughs) yeah but sydney jones i saw that one yeah and of course all the traditionalists whether they're on the message boards or on twitter wherever are like now they suck so you know, you're, you're going to get. I honestly the, didn't like the W. You couldn't even. You could barely even see it. So. Well, if, if you take a look, I've got some pictures up on Twitter. I'll get it to you guys, and you can put it in a story if you want. But yeah. uh, well, the chrome I, profile with the with the purple, it's so dark. Anyways, a dark a, a black W is just it's just going to blend right in. Yeah. Well, let me give you guys a clue, especially you guys who don't like it. The players like it, you know. And if the players like it, get over it. The players thought they were awesome. I thought they were cool, but that, then I'm down. That's fine, but people have the right to yeah. not really like it. Yeah. I mean, Washington is the gold helmet with the purple W. Period, yeah. and that's what people want. Well, and, to, and like I said, I spoke to a UW official. This isn't going to be something that you're going to see a lot of. It's going to be safe for special occasions, which I think it's cool that you can have those and break them out every once in a while. So uh, I thought they were pretty cool. So. Okay. Um, you know, Chris Peterson, you know, people have been talking about the slow starts. wasn't exactly a fast start. I wouldn't call it a slow start, but I don't think they solved the slow start thing today. Well, I, I don't think – I think the slow start thing's for the fans. I don't think they care at all about slow starts. I think they'll, they'll give it lip service. And we talked about this on the radio today, Scott. We talked about it how, how – how do you practice for slow starts? I mean, obviously you're trying to score every play. Obviously you're trying to make every first down, make every play. Bottom line is when you're up twenty four nothing and a half, and that the only the only way that Cal was able to get over the uh, the fifty yard line into Washington territory was, was via phantom yeah phantom penalty on Vita Vea for a hands to the face that wasn't a hands to the face. So what are you going to do? I'm down on the field. I don't. I can't see holes in the running lanes. Um, it just seemed like 
they were running the ball a lot. They ran 80 plays tonight, by the way, but it just didn't seem like there was a lot of room to run. I don't know if the holes weren't there, if Cal's defensive line was that good. Uh, if, Miles really Gask- the box. if Miles Gaskin was dancing around, what did you see in the running game, Scott? No, he wasn't really dancing around. I, I thought maybe he, you know, I think if, if I had the, what do they call it, the View 22 or whatever it's called where you can see all the players and from the coach's view, I'm I'm sure there's probably a, a miss here, a miss there by Miles Gaskin, but honestly, it was just really tough. Devontae Downs had a heck of a game. Evan Weaver had a heck of a game. Two Washington natives, you know, they had heck. Of, I thought they played both really, really well. And um, Washington, and you know, there was one that uh, Trey Adams had had a missed play on, and and just didn't make, get the get the play on. So it it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. I, I I just thought they chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped, and and then they finally were able to break out with a couple touchdowns. But in addition to not having a lot of running room there, um, they weren't passing the ball downfield either. What did you see there? Well, I mean, they they hit Hunter Bryant. The Hunter Bryant was the one getting all the long passes tonight. Uh, Dante Pettis had ten receptions, team high, actually a game high, uh, ten receptions, but he only had forty eight yards receiving. So um, they were trying to get some some quick plays and stuff. Cal's uh, defense is really built around getting after the quarterback pretty quickly, and um, they weren't able to do that because Washington did get the ball out pretty quickly. Hunter Bryant had the long the few long cat catches and things like that. I, I just think Washington w- took what it's it, it's what we've seen what Washington has been able to do this whole year. They've taken what the defense has given them and and made adjustments to their game plan as the game went along. Yeah, and again, Chris Peterson's not interested in style points. Um, you know, when you take a look at a win like tonight and call it Boy, it's hard to call it an ugly win, but it was just seemed kind of blah to me. Well, it was very workmanlike. I mean, there wasn't any. They didn't have to use a lot of flash, and you know they had a couple splash plays. Hunter Bryant, obviously, talking to Jonathan Smith after the game, they felt it wasn't so much based on the scheme that Cal was presenting, but the fact that Hunter Bryant's repertoire from game one to now has really started to emerge to the point now where they really trust him running different routes and really kind of uh, inserting himself in the offense in a real dominant way. And so I think this is a situation where Jake Browning's also getting really comfortable with him. Hunter Bryant with nine catches for 121 yards along a 29 and a touchdown. Uh, Tell me what you saw in the corner of the end zone. Um, I saw the de- the Cal defender look like he had the ball easily, but then just as the ball was getting to him, Hunter reaches over. They both go to the ground, and Hunter just wanted the ball more, and he took it. He took it in that pile. Did he actually wrestle the ball away, or was it jo- jointly caught? Well, it looked more 50-50 to me yeah. upon reflection. It looked to me like the cow guy was going to pick it off for sure. Uh-huh. And then Hunter kind of went over the top, and as they were going down, Hunter just kind of took it from him. Did, when they went to the ground, who had the ball? I didn't see it. Both when, uh, well, so after the pilot cleared, I think it was Josh Drayden was the, uh, the defensive back for Cal. was the one who actually walked away with the ball. But I watched a replay, and it looked like there was one image at least of Hunter pretty clearly with – at one point, controlling the football. But then when, when the pile cleared, is Drayden coming out with it? If the officials had ruled, ruled that an interception, would it have been overturned? No. 
I don't. I, think no, so. I think the pile. There was just too much going on there. I, I don't think that would have been overturned at all. Yeah, it looked like it looked like the defensive back had it, and Hunter just kind of went up, and it looked like joint possession to me. But you know, I've got a different angle on. Oh no, I think it was at the at the very height of the ball when they high pointed it. But then again, I think this was just like Scott said. I think it was just a matter of Hunter wanting it more and being in a position where he could physically take it away from the guy. He golden tated it. Yeah, I guess in some ways, sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just looking down the stat sheet real quick, some things that really jump out at you. Uh, first of all, uh, Washington had 22 rushing first downs with California with nine. Uh, net yards rushing, Washington with 162. California, minus 40 net yards rushing, and you can get into that being a record, Chris. Cal averaged minus a yard and a half every every time uh, they rushed the ball. Total offense, Washington 377, Cal 93, and a lot of that was in garbage time as well with uh, you know the reserves in there late in the fourth quarter. I thought the number that really uh, stood out was uh, Washington had 80 offensive plays. That may be a season high. Um, so oh, yeah. I, that might be yeah. a high in the Chris Peterson era. Yeah. That's, that's just un, that's very unusual for them. Yeah, and another uh, you know third down conversion. Washington was 12 of 20, which is really good. Uh, help holding Cal to 4 of 14 and just running down the individual statistics. Miles Gaskin, 24 carries for 91 yards, only averaged 3.8 yards a carry. LeVon Coleman only carried the ball four times, you know, and there's a couple, and we'll get into this a little bit more. A couple guys I'm kind of surprised aren't seeing the field more. LeVon Coleman and um, uh, Azeem Victor aren't seeing the field as much as well, I thought Azeem they would. Well, Azeem was went. held out of the game. That so that was start. made official? Well, I, no, but I mean, he was. Uh, he didn't start the he game. Didn't, he didn't start the game, didn't start yeah. the second half. Just, just real quick, yeah. finishing up the stats, Jake Browning, 27 of 40 for 215, two touchdowns. Dante Pettis, again, like we mentioned earlier, 10 uh, catches for 48 yards, only 4.8 yards a carry with a long of 13. Hunter Bryant, again, season high, nine uh, receptions for 121 yards. Breakout game for Hunter Bryant. And uh, leading tackler, JoJo McIntosh, with uh, seven tackles. Tavis Bartlett, I thought, had a really nice game he with did. two sacks. Ryan Bowman had a sack and a half. Amandre Williams with a sack. Jalen Johnson with sack a sack. Sack and a half, yeah. Yeah, Jalen Johnson with a sack and a half. Vita Vea with a sack. And he tormented Ross Bowers all night long. Yeah. And Benny Patoa, a, you know, with a sack. With a, mm-hmm. um, yeah, eight sack. sacks. Yeah, but uh, tell me, uh, uh, Azim wasn't in there at the beginning, and it looked like he was in there maybe a third of the game. Yeah, yeah. I, you got to believe it's probably a disciplinary thing. I, I don't. I, I don't have anything else on that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was Ben Burkirvan and, and Keyshawn Bieber to start. He did come in. I think maybe second or third series, and then uh, beginning of the third quarter, uh, he was held out as they well. Like the first, but that, you know, they alternated at that point. But yeah, I mean, it's it's weird to see that. But again, the 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 good point is. They got Drew Sample back. Drew Sample was in on the third play of the game. Um, Andre Bocelli started. Ty you Jones know, was in on the Ty Jones was in. The yeah, Ty Jones was in there on this, in the first series. So to get those guys back, it looked like DJ Beavers. I don't know if he was available, but he was suited up, and he lo- and he had his helmet. So um, all these things are real positive news in terms of injury. Also, you know, stick, staying on the injuries, um, the guy down on the sidelines with his knee up on the yeah. bike. And uh, looked like he had a cast really wrapped up ankle with a plastic bag around Chico McClatcher. And he comes out 
and you know what? He just flashes that big smile. He's just such a great kid, um, you know. And I, you know, I talked to him. He says, "I'll be back. I'll be back." And he's got that big smile. And I told him he needed to talk to Sean Constantine about how to ride that thing because he looked like he was ready to crash yeah. it a couple of times. But uh, it was great to see Chico um, you know, back here. Yeah, but, and also I was going to say too for people that were interested, Byron Murphy does have a boot on his right foot. Yeah, he was down there right in the front, kind of in the trenches, watching everything going on, and he looked really engaged and checking everything out. But I mean, you know, boot on his foot. Who knows what that means? That means it could be one more week. It could be six weeks. You just don't know. We've seen guys in boots earlier in the week, and they've been able to play on yeah. Saturdays. So I don't know. I, I think it's probably a little bit more serious with Byron. Uh, what's your guys' take on uh, Levon Coleman? I just thought he'd be getting more carries. Well, I mean, see, the thing is, it's it's a catch twenty two. So the fans want everyone to get more carries, but then they get upset when a guy doesn't. He they don't ride him. Right? They don't give a Miles Gaskin 20 to 25 carries. They don't give a LeVon Coleman 20 to 25 carries. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you're giving Miles Gaskin 24 carries and you only have 38 total carries on the day, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to give LeVon Coleman all 14 of those other carries? I mean, Jake Browning's going to run a couple times just by necessity. If, if we could talk to Keith Bonifa after the game, he probably would have said, hey, Miles had the hot hand. He was doing pretty well. He's good in pass protection, and that's why we did it. I don't know he's, he is he the number one hand. running back, so why wouldn't he have the hot hand? He's the number one running back. Him? Why wouldn't he use it? Three point eight yards of carry. He's, not he's averaging over. Coleman's. He was averaging over seven yards of carry going into this What's game. What's Levon Coleman's average? But four carries just seems like a low amount. Four four carries doesn't seem like a whole lot. I mean, I I was thinking that you would see ten to twelve carries a game from Levon Coleman, so, which would put Miles Gaskin at. What did he have tonight? 24, 24 carries. Twenty four. So you so you drop him. You drop Miles Gaskin down to like. 15 carries? I thought that these two running backs would be closer to splitting the time back there. But they're not but they're but they're not they're not splitting time because they're not they're not they're not really 1A and 1B. They just aren't. I mean, I know they are on the depth chart. But again, bottom line is Levon Coleman is a really good running back. But Miles Gaskin is your returning 1300-yard rusher. I mean, he's the guy that was kind of the bell cow for this team last year, and everyone has kind of been waiting for him to get going and all that stuff. And then he gets off; he goes off against Colorado. So I think it's one of those things where they I, want they want to keep I getting also, him the ball. I also think they feel more comfortable with Miles in the passing game than they do with Levon Coleman in the passing game. Well, again, you know, this is a team that's just doing what it needs to do to win. I liked, I loved it when they would have both of them out there at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I don't know if they we had any of that tonight. I haven't that. seen that. I haven't seen that at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, you know, just huge, huge, huge credit to the offense, uh, defensive line tonight. Um, they were in the back. Great, great yeah. gains and Vita Vea. They had no answer for those two. I mean, no. the middle was just clogged. Well, it was just one of those things where I don't, I don't remember a time in the Peterson era here where they've been able to get that much pressure on a three-man rush consistently. So, I, I mean, I asked Pete Kukowski, I, we, I asked Chris Peterson, you know, well, was, was there something schematic that you guys saw that, that you guys thought you could get that much joy with three men constantly? And he goes, no, I just, you know, they just felt like they were, they were going to be able to do that. And yeah. then, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to give away any trade secrets. But, yeah. but still, 
We haven't seen that in a long time. Eight sacks out of a front yeah. three? Well, they, oh. were double, they were double teaming Vita Vea, and he just seemed to be yeah. going through the middle of them. Well, well and there was a bunch of times, too, where Ryan Bowman, for instance, yeah. was getting held mercilessly yeah. and, and still got a sack. Got the sack. Yeah. So, I mean, and I said it on the radio. I'll take a little – I'll get a little pat on the back. I'm not going to break my arm doing it. But, uh, you know, I said Ryan Bowman. I thought he would be a key today, and, and he turned out, at least early on, because he was the one who got consistent pressure and pushed the uh, Ross Bowers back up inside and allowed some of the other guys to get sacks too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say another guy who stepped up really well today. I thought was Tevis Bartlett from yeah. kind of the other side getting two sacks. Yeah, he was incredible. I think Kim gave him props earlier. He was yeah. good out in coverage too. So I thought he. And I think ultimately we also saw the fact that Ross Bowers is just not as mobile as some of these other guys in the Pac-12. Comparatively speaking, even you know, even a guy I think Jake Browning might show more escapability at this point than Ross Bowers. But this is again, these are things that he has to learn over time and learn. The Feeling only way you learn it, and knowing yeah. where he can go. The only way you yeah. do that is is by going through it. Well, the only way you're going to get eight sacks is if your secondary is playing really well too. And yep. and Ross Bowers, you know, at times had a lot of time to throw the football, but he wasn't finding any guys. You guys are up above looking down. What are you seeing from the defensive secondary tonight? Well, I think one of the things that I think. Feathers kind of hit on this was when Ross Bowers was able to escape. A lot of times the Huskies were getting pressure with three or four guys, so they'd have seven to eight guys drop back in coverage. So he'd still be looking downfield and he'd be trying to look downfield as he was rolling out and getting away from the pressure. Uh, but the fact that there were so many guys back there in coverage, it looked like there were just wasn't weren't anything uh, any lanes open. And eventually, Vita Vea, Greg Gaines, Tevis Bartlett, Ryan Bowman, those yeah. guys were able to chase him down and either force him to throw it away or get a sack. Yeah, no, I just to me it was one of those things where um, you know you look at the numbers and the you know the the guy who had the most yards tonight for them was a guy named Gavin Reinwald. Never heard of him before. I, you know, that was mop up duty. Yeah, and and it was one of those things where I mean, yeah, Patrick Laird, the running back, had five for twenty eight. Um, you know, Brent, uh, Brandon Singleton had three for 27. These are all mop-up guys because Noah didn't play today, and he was one of their big-time guys. They lost Demetrius Robertson. That was another one of their big-time guys. You know, Vic Wharton was maybe probably the only guy out there that Ross Bowers probably had any real connection with, and they shut Vic Wharton down to two catches for eight yards. Uh, Jordan Vesey, their big, their big uh, real big in stature guy, had one catch for 14 yards, but that was kind of in uh, mop-up time as well. So, you know, I feel bad a little bit for Ross Bowers and the fact that two or, two or three of his top guys are already out. He's really got nobody to throw I, to. I said it to Luke tonight. He is going to take an hour-long ice bath. He was battered and bruised all night. I mean, just... I mean, even when he wasn't getting sacked, he was getting knocked to the ground. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm down on the field, so I'm closer to him, so I see things a little bit different than you guys. He had happy feet, and, um, I mean, he was just looking, where's Vita Vea? Where's, great, where's the pass rush coming from? His eyes weren't up. His eyes were down looking where the pressure was, and I think that may have had a lot to do with, you know, him not being able to complete passes downfield because, like, you know, and we've heard Hugh Millen talk about this a lot, you've got to get the, the quarterback's eyes down looking at the rush, and that's what Ross Bowers was doing. But, you know, Ross, of course, being a local guy, you said Devontae Downs had a really good game. Devontae was a guy who was offered by Washington early, uh, tore his ACL, the offer was pulled. Um he wanted to play offense. Was that what what the deal was, Scott? What well, was yeah, he wanted to be. He thought he was a running back, and um, I think Cal even let him come down as a running back. But he was switched over to 
linebacker pretty quickly. So yeah, and boy, he would have been a nice big back at Washington. Like yeah, we, yeah, but he wasn't he wasn't a special running back. He was right. a good running back. He wasn't a he wasn't a special guy. He was better on defense, and everybody knew that. He's having a good year. Oh, he's having a great year. Great really year for good. him, and, and I thought he played really well. And he's playing without a brace, and that's good. Yeah, and uh, the story tonight is going to be not about the football field, but I think a lot of the story is going to be what was going on with ESPN. Um, I'm not big on using the word respect and disrespect, but um, it sounds like ESPN was pretty disrespectful to Washington. It sounds like Larry Scott was pretty disrespectful to Washington. It sounds like Chris Peterson, you know, he kind of... Well, to be fair to Larry Scott, he did say that Kirk Herbstreit's comments were, were unfortunate. I mean, it's not exactly like he was defending ESPN on that either. Well, but he certainly was not defending was playing, Chris Peterson. He was playing po- politics is yeah. what he was doing. He was because, playing both sides. Because even if he really thought that Kirk Herbstreet's were uncalled for, he's not going to say that. Why not? Because they're their partner. They're not going to say that. He's just not going to do it. So who? So who's more important? The 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 member school? Who do or, you think? I don't know. It's I tell me it's ESPN. Yeah, In it's his idea, cool. it's ESPN. So ESPN's their partner, but it's okay for their sideline reporter to break out cupcakes. Well, Miss, and not only that, I think but, was, I, but Larry Scott didn't comment on that because yeah. well, it he didn't couldn't happen. have. It, well, I think yeah. it happened in the third quarter. It happened in the third quarter. Yeah. yeah. Also heard that uh, on the uh, when they were putting Chris Peterson up, they were misspelling his name. Did you see that? I heard, heard Saki say that uh, when Larry Scott was up there, they, they were asking him about it, and that was yeah. one of the things he mentioned that they were still. Yeah, I'd say ultimately the, the, the phrase that comes to mind as far as ESPN in tonight's game, because of the, that's their filler, because they knew it could be a possible route and they needed to fill some time. That was their filler, throwing out cupcakes on the sideline and then misspelling his name. Mickey Mouse is the phrase that comes to mind to me. ESPN handled this game in a very Mickey Mouse fashion. There is a reason why they've lost 6 million customers over the last five years. And it's not because of the quality of their programming. It's because of this kind of crap. And they need to stop. I'm not going to mention names, and I'm not going to point fingers, but let's just put a whole blanket out there. Let's just say... The administration at University of Washington is not happy about the goings-on with ESPN tonight and some of the comments by Larry Scott. Yeah, and ultimately, you know what? I mean, they covered the game tonight. So I don't think anyone should have expected Kirk Herbstreet to say anything to, to try to defend Chris Peterson because they're company men. You know, they're company men first, and then they're analysts. Then they're talking heads. But they know where their bread's buttered. They know where their checks come from. And so they are going to defend their methods and everything else. And, hey, let's be honest. When they throw that kind of check out there, the conference has to kind of eat it because that's what they paid for. And so ultimately this, that, that really is the bottom line. Do you want to pay coaches $6 million a year? Do you want $250 million stadiums? Do you want facilities? Do you want all these things? This is what you get. Yeah, it, this, but, this, but unfortunately, you also get cupcake comments. No, that's what, you, I mean. you know what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You basically have to bow at the knee and kiss the ring. That's what they're doing. But you also have, and I call him Back Pat Larry, Larry Scott, who always has to you know spend the first time he talks to you, always telling everything he did. Larry Scott's making $4 million a year. Larry Scott is making $4 million a year, and he should be out looking for not only the interest 
for the conference, but for the University of Washington when they're on a nationally televised And you know what he would say? I am. They're getting $25 million from the TV contract. Shut up. Yeah, That's and, what and, he's going to say. Luke was in the gaggle, and he basically he yeah, told you guys. He, said, he was kind of listing his resume a little bit. Yeah, he said that he got there in 2009, and, I mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't super – I was 12 years old, 13 years old in 2009, <laughs> so I don't know a ton, but – he was saying that back then, I mean, Washington didn't compete in terms of revenue and, and in terms of just being on the national stage, regardless of time. It wasn't the Pac-12. It was not part of that conversation. Other than, other and now, or, but other than Oregon or and USC, USC, those were yeah. the only two that did. Everybody and then, else. And he did. says, well, but I mean, flash, flash forward 18 years, and uh, they're 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 competent eight in, in com- eight like years. yeah, eight years. My bad. They're competing that? nationally with in terms of revenue, and they're on at least. I mean, conference. Schools within the conference are so on ESPN and Fox and ABC and all that stuff. Pac-12 Network can be seen nationwide. So he was telling you the awesomeness of Larry Scott and what he's been able to accomplish, right? Uh, I'll oh. say that he, yeah, he was saying that's Kim patting himself on the back. Yeah. But here's, here's the thing. The bottom line is he can say all those things. <laughs> and when people ask him about the late night games, he goes, well... Bottom line is it didn't it didn't hurt Marcus Mariota when they won the Heisman, and it didn't hurt Washington when they got into the playoffs last year. Do people feel like that's an adequate explanation? I don't know. You I guess we'll find let me, out. Let me just say this. How many games did Washington play at night last year? Pretty healthy like, amount. Like Maybe half. Mm. Yeah, a little less. Larry's than half. making four million bucks a year. Well, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you because these next games that are coming down the line after their bye week, because you got Arizona State yeah. next week, you got the bye week, then you got UCLA, Oregon, Stanford, Utah, Washington State. Every single one of those, except for obviously the Stanford game, because that's already been predetermined. Another night game, mm-hmm. but we already knew that was going to be a night game on Friday because that was scheduled way in mm-hmm. advance. Mm-hmm. You know, I guarantee you that though they're going to be there's going to be I don't know if it's just because of the backlash, but I think it's just common sense would dictate for balance sake that got to be at least two of those games should be or fairly early games like, three like or two five. or three o'clock. Yeah, you'd think you'd yeah. think because that is that is also uh, prime time out in the East Coast as well. So yeah, just uh, one more note, Washington. Um, I think they pretty much got out of this game unscathed. If you notice, um, late in the third quarter. Uh, Nick Harris left the game and yeah. he went into the injury tent and Andrew Kirkland uh, went out there. It didn't seem like anything serious with Nick Harris, but again, you know, Washington looked as though they got through this game unscathed. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I didn't even know that he had uh, gone to the in- Well, what, and, what is and, the and he, I even saw him after the game and he didn't look any worse for the wear. Yeah. So I don't know what the, I don't know what his damage was, but he got was... a tweaked ankle or something and they just decided to hold him out for yeah, all they got they got the injury tent where they take it and they prop it up, and it's got some doors, and they go in there so nobody can see. But everybody in the NFL has one too. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of I think it's kind of silly to you. By the way, Whatever. no, everyone has one, so yeah. there you go. Yeah, but anyways, uh, just last you know, final thoughts, Chris Fetters. No, again, I, the one thing that people I guess fail to mention because it just seems weird to talk about because you're only six games in. Washington's bowl eligible now, by the way. So, <laughs> so uh, house money, baby. Yeah. So it's everything's house money exactly from here on out. But again, you know, so dominant. You know, I wrote about the death row defense last week. More of the same. Um, the minus forty yards rushing is third all time. 
uh, for the Huskies, and so in terms of a, a single game performance, so they just they were on a different level tonight. It just in terms of upping the pressure and getting after Ross Bowers, eight sacks, and that you know we'll have to break those down. But so many of those had to come with a three man rush. It was kind of crazy. And again, I think credit to to the offense and to Jake Browning to just kind of keep taking what the, op- the the offense was given from Cal, just kind of slow and steady. Like Kim said, it was kind of workmanlike, but it was kind of meh. It was, you know, it was what it was. But again, you know, they I, did they cover the spread? I think they covered the spread, it was didn't 28. they? 28. and they they won by 28. Or what did they win? No, what they, they won, won by, by 31. They won by 31. So, you know, hey, good teams win, great teams cover. That's the whole that's the whole point, right? Lord. Final Scots. Final Scott's <laughs> final, final thoughts, thoughts uh, Scott Eckler. Yes. Um, well, just real quick on the on the point. All due respect to the 1991 defense, I still think it's the greatest defense that's ever played here. This team is doing what they're doing in a completely different era of football, where things are much more wide open. Scores scoring is up. All faster. those different things faster. They play faster. They have to play more plays. That's why this defense is so special, and people really, really need to enjoy it because it's only going to be here for eight more games. Anyway, that being said, um, I I was very I was very impressed with the defensive effort. The offensive effort I think was good enough. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just right in the middle for me, and it was exactly what I expected. I'd like to see them get running the ball more, a little bit better. A little bit more uh, explosive plays on the running game, but for the most part, I don't think you can really complain other than Dante Pettis's phantom fumble. Well, I, I, don't I know guess, I guess apparently on, apparently on uh, second look, I guess it was, it, oh, it was so kind of poked, poked from, behind. from behind. Okay, so I guess that's what it was. It looked like in real time, it looked like he just flat out dropped it. Yeah, so it just it looked weird. It looked very weird. Uh, Luke, <laughs> Luke Munger, I, I'm just dead drunk. Tired, but anyways, uh, he's not drunk. By the he's way, just drunk. tired. No, I'm not drunk. I'm tired. Yeah. Well, okay. This is eventually going to come full circle. But okay. Coach Kwiatkowski entering oh boy, his fourth year as EW defensive coordinator. They finished fourth, first, and first in scoring defense. A lot of that's been able. To, they've been able to do up front. We saw it today negative forty yards. I think it was on the ground, right? And you, you talk about the interior linemen that have kind of played here, like Danny Shelton, Elijah Qualls, Greg Gaines. Vita Vea, and now they put on this performance for Tommy Togiai, who's in attendance today. Maybe this was an enticing performance for him, for someone that he wanted to join the fold-up. Who's Tommy Togiai? Who's Tommy Togiai? Well, if you're going to drop the name. Oh, yeah, okay, Tommy Togiai. (laughs) Four-star tackle from uh, Utah, Pocatello, Utah. No, 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 Idaho. Idaho, Idaho, my bad. Pocatello, Idaho. Yeah, Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, Tyler Manu's school. Oh, yeah, okay, well, so there's that, and yeah, he was on his official visit. I wonder who his host is going to be. Good point, yeah, so I don't know, I mean, you'd have to think that they kind of put on a show, especially up front, guys like Vita Vea, Greg Gaines, Jalen Johnson, kind of getting after it. You know, as tough as this job can be at times, you know, we always have Luke to torment to make us smile and laugh (laughs) and messing with the intern, but uh, uh, just... uh, one more game until the bye week. Go down to Arizona State. They're going to be double-digit uh, favorites to win down at Arizona State. If they can win that game, go 7-0 and into the bye week and just kind of get some rest and regroup. Real quick, when was the last win down in Arizona or at Arizona State? I have no idea. Yeah, because I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it. Yeah, so, but- uh, I am going off of just memory, I don't remember the last win in, at Arizona State. Yeah, so go down to Arizona Go down to Arizona State and, uh, you know, then go into the bye week. Um, 
you know, purple out. It was kind of a cool atmosphere in here tonight. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get that win and then go into the bye week and what they come out and what they show because they head into a real – then they get into the meat of their schedule. We'll really find out – we'll really find out what this team is made of. Yeah, 2001. I think that was the John Anderson game, wasn't it? Wasn't that the money game where he kicked the field? It was 33-31 was the final. And by the way, speaking of John Anderson, he sent uh, – let me just get – Come on, you got to do it fast. No, no, let me just get the text I got from let's, John Anderson. Let's, uh, let's fill Chris. Uh, John Anderson, uh, I sent Vince Kyan a nice note to be positive, and <laughs> he still missed the field call. Well, no. I mean, bottom line is, I, I wonder if he had one chance to, to get it right, and if he, and I mean, Chris Peterson certainly didn't yeah. pull any. I mean, he pulled him so real quick. Soderberg got the got the kick, and yeah. you know, I, and, I I feel bad because I think Tristan's a good player, and I think he's talented. I just I, he's not getting it done. One more text I got from my son, by the way. I remember when UW was always at the other end of these games. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, it's a good point. It's a good point. Bottom line is the this 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 generation is starting to benefit from the from the fact that the uh, the generation ahead of it had to suffer through a lot of really bad football. If you're looking for daily updates in your inbox, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, and we will get those daily inbox uh, messages sent to you. Uh, we'll be back on Sports Radio KJR uh, Tuesday night at uh, 6.30 to 8. Not sure of the schedule for next week. No, we do That's know. 11 to 12.30 next Saturday as well. We'll have a couple podcasts this week. So uh, keep it tuned here. It's good to see Justin Wilcox. I told Marcus uh, Tuiasasopo, welcome home. He got a big smile on his face. So it's always good to see Marcus. So, hey, from all of us at dogman.com, it's been a long, long day, and it's really late at night. So uh, Yeah, it's because you were playing golf. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't want to hear any of this business about having a headache and all this I'm and dying. that. I'm dying. So, hey, from all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grunzong. Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Luke Munger. Go dogs. Go dogs.